0: Welcome to Contender Cast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast, centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahneman. Thanks for listening, thanks for tuning in, thanks for downloading. It's Justin Hahnemann on the Contender Cast. We're shining a light on bright ideas today in the world of cannabis again. And with a unique spin on it, you guys are going to love this conversation. We're talking about how the market is treating new players in the market. We're going to talk about investment capital. We're talking about advisory in the space. And on the podcast today is my new good friend, Todd Sullivan, who is the co-CEO of Canopreneur Partners. Dude, Todd, it is so great to have you on the podcast
1: yeah thanks for having me I'm really excited to be able to talk i I, I love these uh, conversation about entrepreneurism and helping entrepreneurs so it should be a good one
0: I know I love it too because you know I have a lot of entrepreneurs on in their talk about their business and how they grow it and their the brand and product and in fact other um, colleagues of yours have been on in the cannabis space talking about that and what I think is so yeah. cool about you is you're working with a number of brands in the space and, and upstarts so I can't wait to unpack what you're doing but um yeah Let's do this first, Todd. So uh, you've been around this whole, um, I'll I'll say, venture capital. I'll I'll, I'll call it that space. Maybe you'll call it something different. But for for many years, and not just in the cannabis space, but how did you even get started in this world?
1: In the entrepreneurial world? Yeah, share that with me. Yeah. So interesting. I was 18 years old and came home uh, the freshman year from college and worked for a guy. And we installed above-ground swimming pools in upstate New York. And about halfway through the summer, I looked at myself and I said, This guy owns this business. He goes, picks up the pool, goes and builds it and puts it in, gets a paycheck. He wasn't <laughs> selling anything, no inventory, <laughs> no nothing. It was like the perfect business, right? The asset light business. So the next, you know, next spring, I was getting ready to come from school. I, I went to the pool company and said, you know, I can do this. They said, okay. So like they gave me a letter saying I was gonna make X amount of money. I took it to the bank, I got a loan for some tools, hired a couple of friends of mine, and for the next two and a half summers, we installed above ground swimming pools in upstate New York, and put myself through college doing it. That. Wow, that's uh, that was awesome. that was my first. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, you know, every day you're up outside in the sub well, upstate New York, so some days in the sun, right? Um, but it was it was a great job. We had a great time, and it was it was you know it was a great learning experience. You know. Uh, so that was my entrance into the entrepreneurial world and and since then, you know every job I've had, whether I worked for a company or didn't, it was always on the entrepreneurial side, whether it be commission sales or uh you know I opened up my own gym for a short time, and I had the my value plays investing website for the last going on thirteen years now yeah, I've been doing that. that yep yeah, and then i uh you know I was looking around the cannabis space because I wanted to invest in it. Um, but I didn't want to be invested in any of the private public market stuff because.
0: Okay. So share I mean, what you mean by that.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, when cannabis was legalized in Canada, you know, you had four or five public companies that were trading on the community exchange Got and it. the stocks in those companies went absolutely ballistic. Uh, but if anyone who bothered to look at the fundamentals, realized that uh, these companies were hemorrhaging cash, uh, trying to come into the U S where the regulations we're not going to be um, amenable to large multi-state operations. Got it. Uh, there's no econ- There's no economies of scale in cannabis, right? You can't ship it from state to state. Sure. You can't be the Altria of cannabis, right? You just can't do it right now. So not I know yet, these companies least. were rolling. Yep. Yeah, not yet. Right. I could see that they were spending, you know, 10 to 12 times EBITDA, 15 times EBITDA, 20 times EBITDA for companies then that never works out well. Wow. So I didn't want to be involved in that space at all. I've been looking I was looking in the private space and you know Massachusetts had just legalized and it was just no I didn't know anybody in it. Um so I actually came across Canopreneur as an investment to look at as an investment. Uh, you know raised some money and became the largest outside investor in Canopreneur. And then about six months later, joined the team and have been with Keanupreneur ever since. So it's it's been a great kind of amazing story (laughs) as it unfolded. Crazy. (laughs) But yeah, it just is, but it's I mean, this industry is like no other it's, you know, know. okay. So, and
0: it's so interesting. um, I, you know, I mentioned to you before I hit record, just some of the, the, the background on this podcast and, you know, for the, literally the first year or two, I don't think we had anyone on that was representing a cannabis company. I think we had one person that was doing something with cosmetics, but it wasn't, you know, it was just one example. And over the last six to eight months, I would say, it's been a plethora of pretty strong brands. And so you can yeah. you almost see that the market is shifting. So where are we? And in, in, let's step back from even your, your, you know, the individual companies, but from a market perspective, yep. what are you seeing as far as where we are with the cannabis market today?
1: So the way we look at it is right now, there's really in the US, I would say there's two markets. There is the West Coast, Right, which yep. is if you want to use baseball analogies, right? It's in maybe the, it's maybe in the seventh inning of a market, right? They have strong brand presence, right? People are talking about brands and, and new devices coming out every day, things like that. Do use the same baseball analogy on the East Coast? I'd say maybe we finished batting practice. <laughs> right? There it. really, there really aren't there really aren't any brands out here. We're starting to see West Coast talent come out here because they see the opportunity. West Coast is a very mature market right now comparatively speaking uh it's raw we are where california was a decade ago right so the west coast town is saying oh we just did all this out here made this money it's raw land out there on the east coast it's actually you know if you want to do like the the what the settlers going west well they're coming east now it's the exact opposite in cannabis so and and the, the great thing about cannabis for for investors is that We don't have a market of cannabis in the U.S., right? We have 50 individual markets. Right, they're all different. Yes, as these states, you know, we love what we call them emerging markets, right? Each state. Each state that legalizes is a fresh chance to get into cannabis at the ground level in that state. Wow. So whether it's New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and here in the Northeast, you know, as these states legalize, Everyone starting from scratch again. It's, it's for entrepreneurs, it's it's like the ultimate scenario, right? You sure. just go from state to state. You basically you rinse, wash, wash, rinse, repeat, right? You you do what you did in state A. You build that up. You go to state B. You do the same thing. So it's you know, I hear investors saying, "Oh, it's, it must be too late to get into it now." I'm like, "Oh my god!" No, you know, not at you, all. <laughs> no, well, that it's it's like yeah. Okay, so, some of the biggest states haven't legalized yet, right? So
0: that's what I was just going to say. So we just had an election, um, which we won't talk politics. But as part of that, right, right. I, my understanding is um, several markets around North America did open up that were not open before. Yeah. Is that true? And is that how fast regulation and markets are changing in the space?
1: So five states legalized um, every, every cannabis ballot measure one. OK, I think it was five states went adult use legal in the last election. Um, we think I think that that pace uh, picks up dramatically in the next year. Wow. And the reason is public support for cannabis is about 70 percent right now. 70 percent. I think I think just if I'm wrong, it was like 68 percent um, of uh, the U.S. wants adult use cannabis legalized. It's been very rare in history when public uh, support for something's been that high that eventually was not adopted by the federal government. Okay. No matter what controversial issue you want to talk about. The second is state budgets are decimated. No question. And they need the revenue cannabis can provide desperately. Their other, the only other option is to get rid of jobs or raise existing taxes on sure. their people and raising, raising taxes on people who are in a recession, oh, not a good thing to do. No, right. No. Uh, there was a great article, Uh, about a week ago. Chicago saved 350 jobs because of Canada's tax revenues that blew wow. away their estimates. Wow! So the city of Chicago did not have to lay off 350 people. Well, that, and that's you're aside not seeing, from the jobs it's creating.
0: And there's not the negative side effects that go along. You know, it's funny, we've talked about this in other episodes, but like when I say the word cannabis, some people think pot and marijuana, right? In the old days of, you know, drugs and the yep. whatnot. But that's really not the case. I mean, there there aren't these issues with the markets
1: that are, are in the seventh inning, like on the West Coast. Yeah. So my take is that the societal benefits of cannabis dwarf the economic benefits, which are amazing. Okay. So when your state goes adult use, several things happen automatically. Opioid overdoses fall about 20%. Synthetic opioids, which is your heroin, cocaine, crack, methamphetamines, those drop about 25%. Alcohol sales fall. Alcohol-related crimes fall. Alcohol-related overdoses fall. Wow. Um, to, uh, teen use. Here's a, four separate studies are now showing teen use falls when you legalize it in your state, you regulate it and put it in dispensaries. Teen wow. use falls. And that, that is the number one thing people say is it's a gateway drug for teens. No, the exact opposite is true. It is a gateway drug. Another recent study found when people start using cannabis, 44% of them reduce the amount of alcohol they drink. That's 8% stop. Wow. 8% stop drinking altogether. Wow. That's Veterans. Veterans and PTSD, the benefits to veterans, the, the, the fact that the VA can't prescribe cannabis for vets, I think is criminal, but the, the the benefits that veterans get with PTSD is amazing. The Army's reported this year, veteran suicide dropped 20% over last year. The biggest, one of the biggest jumps in history. Wow. P- cannabis, what, could, what it can do for PTSD, and studies have proven it, 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 it's, it literally would save veterans' lives. And the fact that they can't get it legally from the VA, it's it's a shame. Oh, but, you know, I, the societal benefits, the studies are coming out, are turning people's heads, turning people's minds around on this thing. They're saying this is not a gateway drug to more. It's an exit drug. It's an exit drug. Hmm. The CDC has acknowledged that legalization of cannabis should be explored more because of the benefits to reducing teen use. Oh. The CDC has said yeah. that.
0: Wow, so I, I agree. I just feel like it's it's, it's kind of like uh, the early days, and and we'll we'll get into in, investment in a minute. But it seems like there yeah could be some a lot real of people winners.
1: don't want to admit yeah a lot of people don't want to admit what they've thought for twenty years is wrong. Right, right? it's hard <laughs> exactly. to change minds, mind. Right,
0: no question. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So let's get to you. Um, back to your story. So you talked about okay. some of your background in the entrepreneur space, but how did can entrepreneur can entrepreneur however you want to say it, um, get started? Yeah. And, and was there an initial investment or a company? You know, what kind of got the the engine going for this idea?
1: So Canapreneur Partners was founded originally by my partner, Mike Scott. Uh, and that uh, came from his experience. He was the initial shareholder and the initial funder of a company in Massachusetts called Nature's Remedy. Got it. Uh, they're vertically vertical, vertically integrated Cannabis producer, uh, cultivator. Um, they do extraction manufacturing and they have two dispensaries open and a third one coming to market very, very soon. Now, uh, Mike was involved in the founding of that company. Um, saw it go from, you know, a $500,000 investment to it's worth easily nine figures at this point right now. Wow. And you know, yeah. And <laughs> no those small in change. three years, <laughs> wow. three and a half years,
0: unbelievable,
1: th- three and a half years. It's amazing. So, um, after he started that, uh, that got run to a certain point. He decided that he wanted to do it. He started Canopener in May of last year, uh, kind of wanted to duplicate the process. But, you know, Mike, like myself as an entrepreneur at heart, he has started and, and run over a dozen businesses at this point, many of which are still open. And he just didn't want to make investments and sit back. He wanted to make investments and and mentor and coach the entrepreneurs. He wanted to create a portfolio of companies in the Canada space, not just make an investment and walk off. Right? He wanted to get in the trenches of the entrepreneurs, and we wanted to invest in a, a synergistic ecosystem of businesses, so that investment A helps investment B, helps investment C. They all help each other, and it's just this this virtual sure. circle of investments. I guess the best way to say it. No, so, I, I yeah, get it. Yeah.
0: So um, for those who don't know Cannapreneur Partners, um, one of the cool things I found when I was on your site was you talk about that you find the world's top 1% cannabis entrepreneurs and infuse smart capital strategy and purpose-driven <laughs> leadership. So when I read that, I was like, I love it it's so simple. like It's a great you know, a vision to help yeah. understand the organization. But like, how do you define what the 1% looks like?
1: Well, I mean, you're looking for someone with a track record of success right i mean if you've started and run three or four businesses in your life they were all successful your odds of succeeding on your fifth are infinitely higher than if this is the first one you've ever tried or if you've run two and they didn't work out right so it, entrepreneurs and a lot of it's innate with some people right you can learn a lot but you know it, it's a it's an attitude and it's a you know i'm going to succeed no matter what i have to do right and so we're looking for those people we're looking to find those people and honestly you know, we we probably listen to thirty or forty entrepreneurs a week uh, with pitches <laughs> with and, pitches, and sure. sending in pitch decks. That, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's but that's our job, right? We want to find those people. So, and when you find them, you 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 back them. So we we like to think we've done that. We've backed some. We're actually opening up our own dispensaries that canopreneur is going to own oh, and operate wow. themselves. Very so, interesting. So you know, we're I guess we're kind of an entrepreneurial company. From its start that backs entrepreneurs and has a little entrepreneurial vent of its own. So we're kind of like entrepreneur cubed, I guess maybe <laughs> is the best way to strike <laughs> <entrepreneur. think> <laughs> Well,
0: and you yeah. know, the one of the things I mentioned again before we even started today was and I wanted to hear from you is like you you mentioned you've get you get three, 30 to forty pitches a week. Like what makes a good pitch for you guys and what makes a terrible pitch?
1: So the first thing that sticks out in my head is people send pro formas to impress you and a pro forma built to impress you by its nature will not be grounded in reality uh, so when I, <laughs> when I when i look at a pro forma that looks just so rosy and perfect i'm like Ugh, they're not they're not grounded in reality right so everything in cannabis costs more than you think it will and takes longer than you think it will it's just the way you know when when you don't have established industries sure. right and you have cus- consistently changing regulatory framework even in the states that have been legalized for a while everything takes a little longer and you know regulations are a tax right any regulation either slows you down which costs you money or it makes more expensive than whatever which costs you money so you know as these all change and as it happens it takes a little longer sure. raising money in a cannabis space I would argue is one of the more difficult things to do. You you can't go to a bank. You can't go to a bank. Okay. You can't go to someone who's federally regulated because they can't touch the stuff because it's federally illegal. So you're really left with some small PE shops, right? Which, you know, we can talk about those guys. We're the kind of the anti-PE model, so an anti-venture model is really what we try and be, Um, or friends and family or outside investors. And, you know, most people, you know, they can get a few hundred thousand from friends and family, but, you know, it costs you a million and a half to open a dispensary. Right. You know, that's kind of an average price. And sure. that's not enough. So then, you you know, you have entrepreneurs you gotta,
0: I mean, all of that goes with it. Yeah,
1: they're spending they're spending 95 percent of the time trying to find capital. Uh, and that's where CP comes in. Right. We've we've raised the money. We have our own balance sheet. We have a pool of outside investors in the Canada space looking for specific things. And if we have cannabis real estate, we have a group that wants that. If it's just debt, we have a group that wants that. Some group wants equity startups. And no matter what they're looking for in the space, we're able to place capital either uh, just directly with them or along with our um, capital or along with our existing investor base who, who looks for deals with us. So um, that makes it easy. That's why we get the amount of um, interest that we do is because we're a source of capital that's honestly, there's not a lot of it out there for cannabis. Got it. If you're small, you know, if you're a if you're a multi state operator, you can go to public markets, you can raise money. But if you're, you know, John Jones in the middle of Massachusetts, want to open a single dispensary, not a lot of options for you. Right, no question. Wow, it makes now, it difficult.
0: Now, are there any? Are, when you see that many, does it make it easier to see the ones that are like a home run or the ones that have the greatest potential?
1: Um. No, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think it makes it, I think it makes it easier to eliminate the ridiculous ones right away. You know, (laughs) I'll give you, you know, I'll give you an example right now. Wholesale prices in Massachusetts are about $3,500 a pound for cannabis. right. Um, I've seen projections for cultivations in Massachusetts that four years from now project the wholesale price being $3,500 a pound. (laughs) <laughs> well, wow, there, there no was change. there was three right there was but there was three times as much cultivation in the pipeline than there exists today. So how are price is going to stay the same for five years? That tells me you're either lying to me
0: or you don't know your facts. You, <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. Either you think I'm stupid or you don't know your facts. And yep. neither one of those is a great scenario no. to start a relationship <laughs> with. So, totally. so yeah, I just, yeah, you, I look at that. I'm like, okay, let's just put this one aside. And you know, then you have the ones realistic and then you kind of got to go through and you really got to, you got to meet the entrepreneur and, and see their vision and listen to their passion. And, you know, uh, and it's just a process after that. So, but yeah, wow. the number one thing for me is completely, a rational pro forma and pitch deck, you know, it's, it, there's, it, it's a, it's a look how great this is going to be pitch deck. Not a, Hey, this is the reality of the business. Sure. We want you as a partner in this business. Cause honestly, we don't like investing in business. We like we like partnering, partnering. with totally. our investors and partnering with the companies we invest in. Cause then we, we both win, you know, and, and if, if our experience and, and being in this space, as long as we have can help these entrepreneurs avoid some potholes or avoid a wrong turn that they don't know they're making, but we've seen it done before so we can help straighten it out, then that could save six months of a business, right? That could, you know, that just helps everybody out. So that's, we really like to be involved.
0: Sure. I love that. Well, and you know, you talked about being a a coach um, for these companies. Um, Like what are the areas where they need the, like if you had to list the top three or four things that you guys bring, to these entrepreneurs, these, these, these upstart companies, you know, what is, what are the, what would those be, you know, what are the areas that are where they really need help or where you guys can just add something because you've seen it over yeah. and over again?
1: So, I mean, Mike has amazing skills in which he, he you know, he, like he's done the Oxford game so many times. He's seen it all. So he's able to really coach the entrepreneurs as far as, you know, deal making and, you know, how to price things and, you know, where markets are going and how to handle employees or difficult situations or difficult vendors. He's very good at doing that. Uh, you know, my, skets, my skill sets a little more in you know, looking at your financials and say, OK, we need a reality check here. Right. I understand what you think is going to happen but we don't raise money and take on debt based on what we think is going to happen or hope happens. We need to do it based on, hey, if it doesn't happen, can we just take on debt that's going to bankrupt us, right? So we need to kind of level expectations a little bit because like I said before, everything in cannabis takes longer and it's more expensive than you think, which means it's going to be a little (laughs) less profitable and a little more drawn out than you think. So when we're, we're raising money or making promises to investors or raising debt or looking at our balance sheet, that needs to be taken into account. So it's, sometimes it's a question of Michael guiding them. And it's kind of me pulling the reins back and saying, okay, okay, okay. Let's not, you know, let's not go invest in 400 more machines out there right now because we have contracts for 10. But we don't need 390 more machines sure. right now. Totally. You know, let's focus our efforts in other areas. So a lot of times it's not necessarily, it's just guidance. It's sure. just guidance, a sounding board and people with experience in the industry who can say, I've seen this before. This is how it plays out. So why don't we think of a different strategy here?
0: Now, are are most of the entrepreneurs in this space experienced in this space or do they know the market or are they, you know, what do the teams look like? Yeah.
1: So on the East Coast, it's very raw, to be quite frank. Uh, You know, we don't we don't have the history with the plant that California does and Oregon, the state of Washington. You know, we haven't been you know, having massive grows outside for 30 years, right? Most of the, there's outdoor growth any very significantly in the Northeast because of the winter. So people have been growing it in basements and stuff and, you know, growing 10 plants in your basement doesn't really equip you to run a hundred thousand square foot cultivation facility, right? There's two very different skill sets. So, um, you know, talent is coming along. And like I said before, we are starting to see a lot of experienced West Coast talent, really looking deep into the space here and really excited about getting involved because You know, they're just looking at the last 10 years of their lives out there, and they want to repeat it out here. So um, I would say that where the talent level is on the East Coast compared to was three years ago is night and day. Got it. when, When Massachusetts legalized in 2018... Michael tells stories of you know people coming in in shorts and a t-shirt and a flip flop stone <laughs> to pitch to pitch right. him right nice. you know and now now today we have MBAs and we have right. experienced owners who have run totally. three or four other businesses you know now we have we have entrepreneurs now we don't have guys who love weed right now the entrepreneurs may <laughs> love it. Right. right the entrepreneurs may, may love the weed and that's great but they also have that business experience to go along with right. it and that's that was <laughs> the missing thing for a lot of years in massachusetts but we're we're rapidly catching up in the space now we, we have you know we, we have we've been medical legal since 2016 and adult use since 2018 so now we have people with you know, four or five years under their belt in the space and it's, it's, it's getting there quickly.
0: That's so cool. And it's just yeah. so fun to see an industry. It's, it's just in the early stages with so much change coming. Yeah. Uh, um, it
1: really, is. It really one
0: the, is. One of the things you guys featured, um, is your partnership <laughs> with Kevin Harrington. Um, yeah, and we've had many guests or actually a pretty good number of guests on the podcast that have actually been on shark <laughs> tank and, and have t- shared their stories, um, from that experience, but this is a little different, right? Talk about how you work with Kevin.
1: Well, Kevin Kevin actually is an investor in our Partners. He invested on the same terms as anyone else who invested in our holding company, our offering. Uh, so that was very exciting news to begin with. Uh, but Kevin's given us, you know, he gives us a draw with entrepreneurs, especially as the East Coast matures. And as brands start becoming more prevalent, uh, we think Kevin having Kevin on our team is going to really make us the, you know, the company of choice to go to to help get your brand financed and get it out into the market because sure. you know, Kevin sold over five billion dollars for the products worldwide from Tony Little to the George <laughs> Foreman Grill, et cetera, <laughs> right. et cetera. And you know, basically, for us it's like, if I'm sorry, but if Kevin can't sell your product, there's something wrong with there's your product, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> right. So, so you know, weird. we we think that you know, I mean, and and not for nothing, but if we have entrepreneurs who come to us with products who just want to talk to Kevin right? Oh, they want funny. advice on their product, right? And you know, that's, sure. there's tremendous value there. And honestly, if if you can hook someone up to have a 20 minute conversation with Kevin Harrington about how to press their product, I mean, you just do it, right? Because you know <laughs> what that guy's going through or that woman, okay. whoever it is going through, because you're there yourself as an entrepreneur. So, sure. but he's been fantastic. He's, I mean, he just knows the space inside now, just using him as a sounding board for things. And he sees what we see, which is why he was he was the first shark to publicly put his name behind cannabis because um, he sees it. He knows what's coming, and right. you know, the guy's been ahead of the ahead of the wave on product stuff for for decades now. And this is the same thing with cannabis. So he's putting his flag in the ground down on the east coast with CanadPener, and you know we can't wait for the the brand um, the brand part of this market to start to mature. We can sure. start really using Kevin for that. So.
0: That's awesome. Um, yeah. Last but not least, I want to ask you, um, you know, what have been some of your biggest lessons learned in growing this business? Um, and you know, what what are some things you would share with our audience in terms of your own lessons learned in, in, in growing a company like this?
1: So, other than the initial one about taking longer, more expensive the 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 regulatory the regulatory environment in this space changes. I mean, dramatically, you know, the, and I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, delivery in Massachusetts. The initial licensing came out and they, they were completely uninvestable. It's just the way they wrote the regulations. It just wasn't going to work. There's no way for these delivery companies to make money. I'll give credit to the Cannabis Control Commission, CCC in Massachusetts. They listened. They realized they had a license that nobody wanted. So they they made changes. And, you know, over the course of, you know, I would say last summer until just about a week ago, they made dramatic changes to the delivery license, which is now one of the hot licenses in the state. And that change, you know, if you're not following the regulations and you don't know what they're voting on at the CCC, what items are before them, what discussions they're having, and it's sure. all public knowledge, you could get it. You may have just missed a great investment opportunity. Or as an entrepreneur, you may have just missed the fact that, Hey, I, I could get one of these licenses and I just blew it. Cause I haven't been paying attention. So in the cannabis space, you have to be painfully aware every day what's happening with the regulatory regulatory situation. Cause it could change for you. It could change against you a little bit, or it could open up a new opportunity that right now doesn't exist. And that's what happened with the um, the delivery license. So it's, you know, uh-huh. we've talked to a bunch of people now we're very excited about the space and um, that's what it is. And, the other thing I, you have to learn is that cannabis, like I said before, is 50 individual markets. Right. Just because <laughs> delivery doesn't, just because delivery didn't work in Colorado or Washington, right. that doesn't mean it might not work in Massachusetts. You have to take the regulations for what they are in your state and build your business model based on that state. Not what happened in another state that may have had completely different regs, which is why it didn't work out there. Oh, that's so awesome you need to know your backyard in this industry. Yeah. Yeah. Um share with our
0: audience where they can find you, how they can connect with you guys and learn more about um your business.
1: Uh CanterpreneurPartners.com. Uh you can email me, Todd Sullivan, dot Um, uh, that's the easiest way to get a hold of us. And you know, we if you want to place money in a space, we'd love to talk to you. If you're looking for financing, uh, we love to talk to you. And uh yeah, that's we just we we just want to put people together. That's what we it. do. You're right. Like, we, yep. yeah, we put people together. We help investors who want to get in. It's, I mean, cause if you're a private investor right now and you don't want to own the public stocks because of the nauseating ride that they've had, it's really hard to get into the private cannabis space. It's it's not yeah, easy. not many you know? options. So, exactly. There's not many options. There really aren't. So, you know, we offer an option for people to get into it and, you know, we're hopeful that we can help make a positive change in society by, bringing this plant to more and more people it's not a drug it. it's a plant it's a plant, it's a plant. It. <laughs> if, it, if it if it was red and round and called tomato <laughs> right. people would be putting it on everything they had right so just because so of the misinformation true. that's out there uh, it is no, no it's, question it's a plant but it just it'll yeah. take time for a consumer to understand it um i think it's gonna be one of those things where it just goes very slow and then avalanches
0: right at some point, you know everyone knows what a yeah. t- everyone knows what a tincture is. Um, that's, yeah, <laughs> I had no idea until a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah. So, hey, Todd, it's been so great having you on the podcast. Um, let's ha- I'd love to have you back on down the road as this market will keep changing. And uh, I
1: really appreciate you making yeah. the time. Yeah, call me anytime. I'm happy to chat. Thank you. This was great.
0: The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands.